Welcome back. I'm Shane McClelland. I'm Lori Gum. And these are the Q Files. I've always loved a good conspiracy theory. I mean, it's amazing to me that on an Earth so flat, so many people just can't see what's going on around them. Whether it's that the moon landing was faked, that the Roswell crash was covered up, chemtrails, or that Elvis is still alive, there's something fun about considering them. Wandering down a weird rabbit hole, thinking about the what if, and exploring the logic, even if faulty, that leads to another result. Finding the truth, solving a non-existent mystery. I have always been a huge fan of conspiracy theories too, especially the JFK assassination. But we've shied away from discussing them too much or, or really at all on the Q-Files because currently in America, folks are a little too devoted to dangerous conspiracy theories. There's a vast range of these ideas and they range from innocuous to fundamentally dangerous. Things like the protocols of the elders of Zion or 5G caused COVID, or, well, anything related to QAnon, really. And as a quick aside, we settled on the name, The Q-Files, long before QAnon was even remotely of note. The Q stands for queer, weird, strange, and radical. So what is a conspiracy theory? Merriam-Webster defines it as a theory that explains an event or set of circumstances as the result of a secret plot by usually powerful conspirators. And also, a theory asserting that a secret of great importance is being kept from the public. Now, why do people believe these things? Outlandish claims like the world is being run by Satan-loving pedophile Democrats that operate out of the basement of a DC pizzeria or something like that anyway. It's sometimes difficult to understand how anyone might believe that, but they do, often to catastrophic ends. Psychology researchers who study conspiracy theories say there are a range of explanations, from basic perceptual processes to emotional issues. While all of us are at times prone to seeing illusory patterns, pareidolia, Seeing Jesus in a piece of toast, or a face on the moon, or a ghostly silhouette in the window of an old building. Studies have shown that this tendency is heightened among ardent conspiracy theory believers. As such, they're more likely to see connections, whether they actually exist or not, between disparate events that the rest of us sheeple simply do not notice. As we know, Many conspiracy theories make claims that are simply impossible, factually incorrect, or based on fundamentally flawed logic. True believers in these theories are not only more likely to make these false connections, but research shows that they are also less likely to have the education or the critical thinking skills necessary to see the faults in their own theories. Those ideas are combined with an intellectual narcissism that inflates the believer's own intellectual competence. They are convinced that they're smarter than the average person, and as a result, can see behind the proverbial curtain. This ignorance, when combined with overconfidence, creates fertile ground for wild beliefs to take hold. As with many beliefs, there is an emotional component, too. Believing in something and feeling part of a community of fellow believers, the ones who know the truth, 
satisfies the need to feel special and belong, and makes challenging a widely discredited theory extremely difficult. Studies have shown that anxiety and a sense of lack of control further fuel the belief in conspiracy theories, but that these problems are alleviated when a person subscribes to something that is spread with conviction by others. Conspiracy theories, misinformation, offer simple, casual explanations for otherwise random events. They help restore a sense of agency and control for many people. And who doesn't need a little peace of mind these days? We're constantly caught in a whirlwind of misinformation and real information that is often confusing and contradictory. All set against a backdrop of a pandemic, a denied economic crisis, waxing and waning mass demonstrations for racial justice, deeply polarizing politics, and the revived, yet always looming, threat of war with Russia. The World Health Organization has called our modern moment an infodemic, a time in which a deluge of data is muddled with falsehoods. So while we can all readily agree that 9-11 was a terrorist attack and that the Flat Earth Society has members around the globe, what I'm about to tell you is more controversial. It is arguably the greatest cover-up ever undertaken by a government. Now, before we tell you this next part, make sure no one can hear what we're about to say to you and that you aren't being followed. They do not want you to know this. I hope this episode doesn't get us killed. I can't end up like Stanley Meyer at the Cracker Barrel in Grove City. Prepare yourself to take a journey into the history that they will never teach in any school. Much of what we are about to tell you has been censored, erased, and covered up for nearly six decades. If questioned, I will deny everything I am about to say, and especially these three words. Birds aren't real. After many years of having my own suspicions, I was clandestinely brought into the fold, or flock rather, as a member of the Bird Brigade, when I stumbled upon a bright blue sticker covertly pasted to the white wall of a building in Columbus. After snapping a photo of the sticker with my phone, I tweeted it and then entered the website birdsaren'treal.com into my secure browser and immediately had all of my suspicions confirmed. Birds aren't real and are, in fact, government surveillance drones. Please understand this information we are sharing has been disclosed by brave patriots and is available to anyone if they know where to look, assuming they can read between the lines. So how did we get here? Well, in the early 1950s, after Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were wrongly arrested and convicted of espionage against the United States, Alan Dulles, the then director of the CIA, was given the job of instituting a massive civilian surveillance program to root out any additional communist spies. Dulles was known to hate birds with a particular passion, even coining the once popular term flying slugs and scum of the skies. By May 1956, he realized that he could achieve his surveillance program objective and put an end to the bird problem by replacing the birds, 
all the birds with billions of sophisticated robot lookalikes, flying cameras capable of mimicking real birds in every way. Dulles presented his plan to President Dwight D. Eisenhower, and it was immediately approved. By 1957, armed with $65 billion of public health money, Dulles met with the Boeing Airplane Company and ordered 120 B-52 bombers to be built in Nevada at Area 51. And understand the B stands for birds. The Bird 52s were a new design that contained compartments for 450 gallons of liquid. Now, what was this liquid? a specially formulated bird poison that once consumed would give the bird a virus that could be passed on to other birds. The poison was sprayed from an altitude of 8,000 feet and would completely dissolve before it hit the ground, which meant that only birds would be affected by its terror. And once a single drop of the poison struck the bird's feathers, the virus would take hold through the fibers and make its way into the bloodstream. The virus would then affect the bone structure in such a way that total decomposition of the birds would take place in less than 24 hours. Operation Water the Country was fully underway by 1959. Within the next six years, 15% of the bird population was wiped out. During these first few years, bird prototypes were released by the 100 million. The term drone was not used at this time, and instead they were referred to as robot birds. The sitting president, John F. Kennedy at the time, had no idea that this was taking place. The CIA did not intend for anyone but select departments to find out what was going on. Even the pilots of the bombers were unaware what they were doing. The president was unaware of what was going on until October 3, 1963, when a top CIA official was overheard speaking about the operation over a tapped phone. John F. Kennedy had tapped the phone of Alvin B. Cleaver, internal communications director for the CIA, because Kennedy believed that Cleaver was stealing his ham sandwiches from the White House kitchen. While listening to the recorded conversations, Kennedy overheard Alan Dulles say, Alvin, how's the bird slaughter going? How many birds have we killed so far? To which Cleaver responded, We've killed about 220 million so far. And the best thing is, the robot birds we've released in their place have done such a good job that nobody even suspects a thing. Kennedy called both men into the Oval Office requesting an explanation. He was informed of the operation and on October 25, 1963, Kennedy was shown a prototype of the Turkey X-500, a robot that specialized in killing larger birds like eagles and falcons. Kennedy was impressed with what he was shown, but demanded the men cease their mass slaughter of the birds and require the immediate shutdown of the operation. Less than a month later, Kennedy was killed from the skies by an assassin's bullet. Coincidence? On July 2nd, 1964, there was a secret meeting held in the Jefferson Building, Washington, D.C. The attendees are unknown, 
as the only evidence is an incomplete six-minute recording that was uncovered in the basement of an isolated storage warehouse by one of our brave patriots. This recording discusses the need for a large amount of bauxite, the chief commercial ore of aluminum. Bauxite is coincidentally essential to the building of robot birds. In the audio, you can clearly, though briefly, hear one concerned attendee say, we need a quick solution. Real birds have been disappearing for almost two years. If we don't replace them, people will start to notice. This is where the recording stops. A month after the secret meeting, a North Vietnamese torpedo boat was accused of attacking a U.S. destroyer in the Gulf of Tonkin. It is widely believed that this incident was faked and used as an excuse for the United States to place troops in Vietnam. Vietnam contains the third largest reserves of bauxite ore on the entire planet. Under the guise of war, the U.S. was extracting massive quantities of bauxite and shipping it back home to an unidentified port on the east coast of the United States. From there, the ore would be transported to hundreds of facilities where they would construct the robot birds. These facilities are believed to be located within many of the government fallout shelters and ammunition bunkers. One of the more modern factories is located underneath the Denver International Airport. You see, the government escalated the fears of a nuclear war during this time period, the 1960s to the 1980s, as an excuse to build massive underground warehouses under the skies of being bomb shelters. These facilities house hundreds of workers and constructed up to 5,000 robot birds per day. It was believed that there are 22 of these underground manufacturing plants, and during the peak of the construction process, sometime around 1980, upwards of 100,000 robots were being constructed each day across all 22 bunkers. Each of these robot bird construction facilities would construct a different type of bird specific to that region. For example, in Colorado, there is a bunker near Colorado Springs that specially builds hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are the ideal candidate for surveillance in a tight space as they are small yet versatile. Now, you may be wondering, how did the government get thousands of people to build the birds, and where are they now? Why aren't they testifying before Congress to the atrocities they were forced to commit? Do they not remember building all those robot birds? Friends, that question has been debated for decades by many within the birds aren't real community. The answer is surprisingly simple. They were high as fuck, tripping balls. During the 60s and 70s, acid was having its heyday. Government agents would infiltrate local bars and hand out acid while inviting people to a party. Once someone agreed, they were handed a tab and ushered into a bus. Then they were transported to one of these bunkers and forced to build robot birds, all while they thought they were experiencing the craziest trip of their life. And that's most likely how you feel after listening to this. Fortunately, none of this likely happened, though I can't really prove that, as Operation Water the Country and its renamed covert operation, Operation Very Large Bird, 
so renamed after a legal battle with PBS over Sesame Street and Big Bird, has yet to achieve 100% replacement of the bird population. With all of that said, you may have heard of this conspiracy theory too, or seen a sticker or a billboard or watched a TikTok. Perhaps you've even been a true believer, a member of the Bird Brigade. The Birds Aren't Real movement has been a viral sensation since 2017, when Peter McIndoe first acted on an absurd idea at a political rally he stumbled into. While it may seem reminiscent of the absurdity of QAnon, 5G, and COVID, or any other modern conspiracy theory, there's a key difference here. These true believers are in on a joke. They know that birds are in fact real and that their theory is entirely made up. And perhaps now you think we've been compromised by government agents. I can assure you that we have not been compromised. Though, isn't that what we would say if we had been compromised? Just something to think about. The Birds Aren't Real movement is a parody social movement with a purpose. In our post-truth world, we true believers of the Birds Aren't Real movement have dove down the conspiracy rabbit hole and filled it with absurdism. A way to fight the overwhelming lunacy of the modern world with lunacy. The idea is meant to be so preposterous that it isn't believable. Though, aren't many conspiracy theories already like that? McIndoe has devoted his life to this moment. Living out of a van and traveling the country to spread his gospel, he seamlessly blends parody and reality, saying things like, in the States, at least, everything we see is filled with bird propaganda. Our national mascot is a bird, the bald eagle. Each of the 50 states has a state bird. With bird mascots, at a certain point, you should start asking some questions. McIndoe more recently has started hinting at glimmers of truth, telling various major media outlets, and excluding the recent vomit-inducing TV appearances, that, I would think, you know, even if people do perceive us as a joke, maybe it just might provide a safe space of sorts for people to come together and laugh at the absurdity of the world that we're in right now. A place where truth truly seems to not exist anymore. Is it really even a coincidence that the birds aren't real movement took flight in the aftermath of Donald Trump's 2016 election win? McIndoe's conspiracy and character-breaking words offer an unlikely commentary in this era of misinformation and in the light of ongoing conspiracy theories like QAnon and Pizzagate. When you strip away the comical trappings of this conspiracy, it offers real insight into how people can become radicalized online. We all just want community and the world to make sense, right? So while maybe we can't be certain that every conspiracy theory is fake, we can be certain that birds are real and they're dying as part of our climate catastrophe. And the climate crisis is most assuredly not a conspiracy theory. A consensus on climate change and its human cause exists. Multiple studies published in peer-reviewed scientific journals show that human activities are the primary cause of the observed climate warming trend over the past century. According to NASA, 
2016 and 2020 are tied for the warmest year since 1880, continuing a long-term trend of rising global temperatures. The eight most recent years have been the warmest. That is having a devastating impact on all of Earth's creatures, from insects to polar bears to even us. You may recall that in the summer of 2021, a mysterious illness started impacting songbirds and other common birds throughout the eastern United States, from Florida up to Ohio. The birds had crusty, puffy eyes. Many acted confused and showed signs of neurological issues. All died within days of showing signs of the illness. But birds were already in trouble before this mysterious illness appeared. The overall bird population of North America has declined 30% since the 1970s. Two-thirds of birds in North America today face greater extinction threats due to the loss of habitat and rising global temperatures and due to human-generated carbon emissions, 70% of which come from the 100 largest corporations and not individuals like us. Birds play important roles in a balanced ecosystem, pollinating the crops we rely on for survival and regulating insect and other animal populations. Birds are one of our early warning systems, letting us know when something is off. A canary in the coal mine of what will be coming for all of us. Birds are often an indicator that these things are good or bad in our environment. And where we see healthy populations of birds, people are also doing well. I was surprised to learn in working on this episode that more than 75% of adult birds die during migration. Most birds in North America migrate twice a year, some of them very long distances, and that timing is based on evolution. Over eons, birds have learned to migrate just as certain seeds become available or insects are hatching. And it's important to note that insect populations are also in serious decline, experiencing an apocalyptic 75% decline since the 1970s. As habitats are removed or destroyed, it throws the migration timing off and puts the birds in danger. Scientists are also seeing an uptick in other wildlife illnesses, which the Division of Wildlife at the Ohio Department of Natural Resources says could also be related to climate change. These novel diseases are fostered by warming temperatures and the shifting of where animals go and how they interact with their environment, which means they're also carrying diseases to new locations and spreading them to new populations. For now, Scientists are still trying to figure out what's causing these birds to get sick. One theory linked the emergence of brood X cicadas to the illness in birds, an alarming theory to me. And not to be a conspiracy theorist, but what have we introduced into our environment that would make cicadas poison for birds? However, while the timing lined up, birds in states without brood X cicadas also saw instances of the illness. Other areas with lots of cicadas didn't see sick birds at all. While the authorities attempted to determine what was causing the mystery illness, Erica Miller, a volunteer wildlife rehabilitator from Dayton, Ohio, took treatment into her own hands. An ICU nurse, she used her experience and education to try different treatment methods, eventually determining that a combination of an antibiotic and a topical ointment for around the bird's eyes produced enough success that she was able to release nearly a dozen starlings and robins 
back into the wild. Others were able to replicate her methods. Maybe this year, instead of using B-52s to kill birds, like in the Birds Aren't Real conspiracy theory, we'll use them to save them, deploying mass doses of life-saving medicines. Though, I'm sure that will rile up the chemtrail folks. This winter, while you're avoiding the snow, if it snows where you are, and listening to your out there conspiracy-loving relatives say global warming isn't real because it's cold outside, think about starting a garden with native plants. Plants that will feed you, your environment, and the birds, and house insects and other life. Talk to your neighbors about it, build community, and be an ardent and vocal supporter of doing what we can locally while there's still time. Hey, how about this? Start a conspiracy theory for doing good and being kind again. Build a weirdo community around it. Because while maybe pigeons are liars, the birds are very much real and they desperately need our help. This week, Lori and I have been talking about the Neil Young, Joe Rogan Spotify controversy, especially while doing this story. We wondered, should we leave out of solidarity with those calling out the inaccurate information, dangerous ideas, and ridiculous conversations, particularly on such a large platform as that of Joe Rogan? We considered it. But here's the thing. Apple, YouTube, and all of the other streaming services are utilized by many folks who represent even more dangerous ideas than Rogan, let alone more traditional sources like Fox News and their ilk. If we leave Spotify, we would have to leave every streaming service and media outlet if we were to stay true to this solidarity. There is no truly ethical platform for consumption. Instead, here is what we suggest. Let's reach into our own spheres of influence and try to promote critical thinking, information based on truly science-based foundations, and continue to reject the effort to both sides every issue, giving a false equivalence to beliefs that do not even qualify as needing discussed. Getting the audience to stop listening to podcasters like Rogan is the best way to get them to go away. Not symbolic protest. Those days are over. Performative resistance will not create one bit of change. Birds of a feather, you know, flock together. So choose your flock wisely and carefully. And stay away from those darn pigeons. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend or tag us on social media and be sure to leave a review. This show was created and produced by me, Shane McClelland, and Lori Gum. Until next time, friends. Be weird. Stay curious. These are the Q-Files. <laughs> <laughs>